Hope this morning finds you well and rested. Uh, like Brendan had said, my name is Scott Tidwell. I am an athletic trainer. I work for Houston Methodist Hospital. Um, <clears throat> travel the roads uh, in and around East Texas. So if you ever see a Houston Methodist truck, um, it's probably me. If I cut you off in traffic, that's probably somebody else. Okay, so uh, just bear with me, and, and uh, because I have little patience when I drive. Um, <laughs> When I was about 16 years old, thereabouts, a man shared the love of Christ with me. And it was in my bedroom that I believed that Jesus captured my heart. Jesus drew me to himself. And I always look back on that day, and I couldn't tell you, you know, what day of the week it was or anything of that nature, but I could tell you that day that my life changed. I believe that I had an encounter with the risen Savior that day, and it changed my life. Now, through a process of from 16 to when I was 40 years old, I wandered, I wasn't discipled, I loved Jesus, but I didn't know how to love Jesus. So I didn't seek him the way I should have. Should have. When I was about 40 years old, I was at YEC, that's a youth evangelism conference up in uh, Grapevine, Texas. Uh, I was listening to Clayton King. He was a uh, preacher, and he started sharing about ministry and things of that nature, and I believe at that time, I felt the call to ministry. I, I was working with youth at the time, teaching and, and, and sharing, serving alongside of them, but it wasn't until 40 years old that I believe that I was called to ministry. And through, through a process of many different things that happened in a very short amount of time, I went from teaching you to sharing, I felt a call to ministry to a friend of mine, and he said, hey, do you want to preach Sunday? I said, sure. Absolutely. Still really no discipleship whatsoever, but let's let him preach, okay? <laughs> so I got up in a, in a Baptist church in Dezetta, Texas. With, with side note, right, everything you've ever heard Corey talk about Hall Dezetta, Texas is true. <laughs> I grew up there during the summers uh, with my grandparents, so I do have a little bit of collateral there. But it was in days out of Texas I started to, to, to preach or, or teach, and, and, and it was an overwhelming sense. But all the while I was like, I just, I don't feel led to, to walk into a Baptist church and start preaching and just kind of be the next man up. God had worked in my heart and said, you need to go and minister to the least of these. Didn't know what that was either. But what I did know is there were a group of people that loved me, that wanted to do something. They wanted to do something amazing. They wanted to share the love of Jesus to the least of these. So we went up to a small settlement south of Livingston, Texas. I'm not making any of this up, okay? The name of the settlement was Wild Country, okay? You can look it up on Google, 
It's a settlement there. It's called Wild Country, and every name in Wild Country is named after a country western singer. Charlie Pride Drive, etc. You can look it up, I promise you. A dark place. A lot of meth, a lot of prostitution, a lot of need. And so for three years of my family, friends, we ministered to these people that were there. And it was such an amazing time. But God had something else for me. He wanted me to go to plant a church in Liberty with my friend. And through a process of a meeting with Sean uh, and talking to him, breakfasts, and even with Corey, that we ended up coming up with an idea. And by providence, no pun intended, we are here. And we are grateful to be here. We're grateful to be a part of this congregation. And we're so grateful we're ready to leave. We're ready to leave because we have a burden for the people we live around. We have a burden for the people who don't know Jesus. So we want to share. And we want to love on them. So why are you here this morning? Enough about me, but why are you here this morning? Why did you get dressed this morning? Why did you drag your kids here? Why did you put on a happy face? And why did you walk into a building to sing and listen to someone read out of a book? Compelling question, right? Well, the Sunday school answer is what? To worship the one true living God. But is that, is that as simple? Is it as simple as that? Is the answer as simple as that? Why would we worship God? The, the Bible says we are separated from God as a result of sin in the hearts and lives of us. The Bible says that we do not seek after him. You and I stand guilty before a holy God without Christ. Now, you're probably just sitting there going like, did the guest preacher just tell us we're sinners? The answer is yes. Guilty is charged. I stand guilty before a holy God without the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But Christ's mission was to seek and save the lost. He came from glory down to rescue his people. And that in itself should make us want to praise him. That should make us want to sing to him. So in our passage this morning, as we see, as we're going to glean a few things from it, we don't have a lot of time to spend to kind of break it all down. But in our passage this morning, we're going to see an interaction between Jesus and a woman caught in adultery. Now, when you read the passage, it's easy to basically start comparing your sin to everybody else's, and including her. But what Jesus is pointing out to her and what he reveals to us is that sin itself, not particular, but sin itself separates us from God. Jesus' focus 
her attention on her sin, which makes her guilty. And guess what? It is relevant. When you look at the text, it is relevant. He is not pointing out the sins of other people. He's pointing out hers, particular. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he dealt with people differently. Uh, this passage itself is set in, set in the middle of three different conversations that he has, different contexts, but yet, nonetheless, conversations that we see, that, that he was dealing with people differently. Sometimes it's just a general appeal to believe when we look at his ministry or, or people uh, to come to him when they're burdened or when they're distressed or they're hurting. Sometimes the, the, uh, the message is sell all your possessions and give them to the poor or is simply repent and believe. You see, Jesus' evangelistic approaches are different. And I bet if we went around this room this morning, and we ask the question, how did you come to saving faith in Christ? Each one of us would have a different story. Some, some may be morally upright and just an amazing person. And you never know they were the lost. And yet it, in an instant, in a bedroom behind a steering wheel, sitting in a congregation, sitting at work, Jesus comes and saves you. And there's really no difference. But yet, nonetheless, that we stand guilty before God without that finished work of Christ. The, the point of this is that we are similar. We have a common thread. And, and why is that? Well, if you, if you studied the Bible and, and you went through the Bible in a year, um, I guess a year ago, a little over a year ago, you know that in Genesis chapter 3, there was a fracture in the relationship. Something happened. Something happened, and now we are in open rebellion against God. And so why, you're, you're, I know what you're saying, you're like, why are you continuing to point this out? Well, it's simple. Until you can see your sin, until you can see that you're a sinner, you'll never see the beauty of the cross. You'll never long for Christ. It would be nothing more than just a good person or something that did something good. You won't see that he came and he died and he rose again. You won't see the beauty in that unless you know why he came. Charles, Charles Spurgeon wrote, and it's up on the screen here. He's quoted so many times in here, I bet y'all think he's an elder or something. <laughs> Too many think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. He who stood before God, convicted and condemned with a rope around his neck, is the man to weep for joy when he is pardoned to hate the evil which has been forgiven him and to live to the honor of the Redeemer whose blood he has cleansed. If we don't understand sin, we will never understand the message of the cross. So in this passage, in this passage this morning, 
Uh, we see that once she understood that uh, the sin that separated her from God, she needed to understand who Christ was and why he came. So early on in that conversation, you, you, you would see, if you, if you went back to the first part of uh, chapter 4, you, you would see that he was having a, uh, a conversation where he was talking about eternal life. He was using water, but he was talking about eternal life. It was something that he himself was going to give. You see, salvation from her sin and salvation from our sin is possible as we come to the right understanding of Jesus Christ. He is the true Messiah. He came for the lost, and he came to reconcile us before God. Friends, he is the only way to salvation. And that was the message from the beginning. When sin entered the world, God promised that he would send a savior. And so if you look at the, remember the Old Testament, if you, the, the rhythm of the biblical narrative within the Old Testament is that it was always pointing towards Christ. He was always pointing towards one day the savior would come. So if you look at the story, you remember the story of Joseph. Joseph was humiliated, abused, and then put in a place of prominence. When God's people were enslaved in Egypt, God sent Moses. And when they were rescued by God's hand, they were told to celebrate every year being delivered. Well, the story of David and Goliath of the possible enslavement of the people at the hands of the Philistines. And yet an unlikely warrior, an unlikely savior stepped up. And then the Bible tells us that there would be one day someone who would come from the line of David, that would come and ultimately save us, would ultimately save his people. God promised a savior and he sent his son. So in the, in the middle of this conversation, the woman misses the point. If you look back at verse 20, she's thinking, well, I'm going to stay on this mountain or going to go to this mountain or I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to get this thing that, that Jesus is telling, them, telling her about. And for me, this is, this, this is personal. This part of the story is personal. Is personal because I told you when I was younger I, I grew up in First Baptist churches and if this sounds a lot like First Baptist stuff I'm sorry that's just who I am <laughs> but but I grew up in First Baptist churches it was it was almost a requirement that you showed up on Wednesday night you showed up on Sunday morning you went to Sunday school you did RAs you showed up on Saturday or Sunday nights And the overarching theme was just be there, and that's good enough. Just be present, and that's good enough. I mean, confession time, I, I, am, a, I am a worship stoic, okay? When it comes to, to worship, I, 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 I keep a lot of things inside. 
<laughs> I just do. That's just kind of, I guess, kind of who I am, how I was wired. And as I've learned and I've studied and I've been around people and I've been in the midst of this congregation, what I have learned is that you love Jesus. And you love him so much that you sing to him. You love so much you raise your hands. Probably I won't, but you do. But you do it because you love him. And you have a right understanding of who Jesus is. And that is infectious. That's infectious of, around, of the people around you, the people you encounter, is your love for Christ because you know that you stood guilty and yet now you've been saved and you can worship him with gladness. You can raise your hands. You can sing at the top of your lungs. You can play instruments. And that was another thing in first battle. You never brought a, um, a drum set in there or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. But you sing and you play because you love Christ. And I love you for that. But ultimately, my affections don't land on you. They land on the Savior. You help me worship God the way he should be worshiped, and I thank you. Our salvation was purchased through Jesus Christ. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death we should have died. He took the full cup of wrath. And he rose again. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes on our behalf right now. Praise Jesus. That in itself makes us want to sing. True salvation brings true worship. Those who have been saved have been given the Spirit and embracing the truth of God, the, the fact that He is who He said He was, worshiping Him in spirit allows us to worship Him the way He should be worshiped. And that's important. That's important for us to see within the text. This text is not talking about you. It's ta talking about this church. It's talking about you individually, that when you know the truth of who Jesus is, and by the Spirit of God, you can worship him. Salvation is not based in this building Salvation is not based on your attendance or how often you give or how often you serve. It's found at the cross. Church, the underlying and compelling beauty of the gospel is that once we were separated, once we were far off from God, but now we have been recon reconciled through Jesus Christ. And now there is peace. So some of you this morning may be hearing this for the first time. And you may be somewhat confused. 
You you may not know how to handle what has been said. And what I would encourage you to do this morning, I, I would encourage you to seek God in prayer and ask him to reveal himself to you. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, for for those of you who have been rescued, this should be encouraging, should be refreshing. This story should never get old. The story is, is amazing. In light of what has been said, in light of the scripture this morning, what is our response? What should our response be? What should we do? The answer here is simple. That we would sing, that we would serve, and we would give, not under compulsion, because, but of our admiration for God. Not contrived worship, not someone making you feel guilty, not someone who who is pointing out that you fail. You, You would worship God because you love him. You would worship out of a glad heart. You would sing a new song. You would just give where you were told to give whether it be here, whether it be across the seas, you've been purchased. (laughs) So, another confession time is that I have, it's it's been been a minute or two since I was allowed to preach. And I'm thankful for that, fellows. And what I've learned in that time of being away, and I shared this with the guys before, is that far too often I was getting into a habit of studying to prove people wrong. I, I was studying the scripture just so I could tell somebody they were wrong. Don't ask me why. I had too much time on my hands, really. But it was so empty. It didn't mean anything. And at the end of the day, yeah, I read my Bible, I did my study, but I didn't learn anything, really. And far too often when I've been in church not necessarily here, but through my life as I look back on it. It was just empty time. And the reason is is because things were out of order. I didn't didn't love Jesus the way I love him now. I didn't have an admiration for, for Jesus like I do now when I was growing up. I was basing everything, I was basing love as to something that I did. 
But God would love me more if I showed up. God would love me more if I give. God would love me more if I serve. God would love me more fill in the blank. Those things are important. Don't get me wrong. But when they're out of order, they're empty. But see, when you, you come to the understanding that, of who Jesus is and why he came and the fact that he came, in the darkness of our hearts, that he took the full cup and he bled and he died. He rose. When you understand that, when you understand the beauty of that, you will sing, you will serve, you will give. Anything he asks, as crazy as it sounds, you will give. So church, our posture should be this, with open hands, grabbing nothing too tightly. Court talked about that a couple weeks ago. That wherever he leads you, I will go. Old Baptist song. I, I will give, I will serve, Lord send me. Careful when you say it. Careful when you pray it. Careful that he may actually send you. So this morning, I invite you to worship with me. I invite you to sing with me. I invite you to serve one another with me. Because Jesus is worthy of our time, our talents, our treasures. And this morning, just understanding Facts about Jesus doesn't save you. This morning or tomorrow, it doesn't matter how many facts you know. It's do you treasure him? Do you treasure Jesus above all things? The things that you have are held with a loose grip. So I invite you to worship with me. I'm a little early, Brendan, but this morning I invite you to come and taste and see. I, I invite you to the table that, that we would taste and see the Lord is good. The Bible tells us that the, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he said, this is my body for, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the covenant of, in my blood. 
do this, and as often as you do it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and you drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we sing to the risen Savior. We pray to the risen Savior. And we approach the table in remembrance of what he has done. So this this morning, there's a gluten-free option here for you. Our prayer partners are on the side. See, I sound like a pro. Prayer partners are on the side. So this morning, I ask you to come. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the sacrifice that you gave. Father, we ask this morning that in our time of worship, Lord, Lord, that we would remember the sacrifice. It would be real to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And as we, we take, Lord, that you would remind us over and over again of the beauty of the cross. Father, we, we're pleading with you this morning that you would save one. In Christ's name I pray, amen.